What up, everybody? We're here, fight week. International fight week is here. The return of Nick Diaz. I'm telling you, I told you guys I wasn't going to shut up about it. I'm still not, especially if he wins. I'm going to get a call after this episode comes out. Bro, you're being too much of a fanboy, dog. You got to tone it down. You got to tone it down. No. Okay? No. I love Nick Diaz. Anyway, guys. He's back. Are you guys ready for these fights this weekend? We got Brian Ortega versus Alexander Volkanovsky for the featherweight belt. We got Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy for the women's flyweight belt. We got Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler in the People's Main Event. We got Curtis Blades versus Rosinho Rosenstrike. You got Jessica Andrade versus Cynthia Calvillo. And then in the feature prelim, you got Marlon Moraes versus Marab Dizwashasvili. Woo! Sorry. That hurt your ears. Let me do it again. Woo! <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm super excited. I can't wait. Can't wait. Anyway, guys, episode 31 coming your way now. Deuces. What up, everybody? Thanks for coming back. If you're new, welcome. If you're a returning listener, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, we're going to get right into it. Smith versus Span. What a crazy night of fights. I had to rewatch it because I overslept on Saturday. But have no fear. I watched it all on Sunday. On Saturday, I watched the main event and the co-main event. And I learned that Kuteslava's name is not Ion, it's Iwan Kuteslava. And the Armenian guy, the TSI, so it's Armen Sarukanan, not Tarukanan, like I thought it was. So that's pretty cool. But here we go. So Anthony Smith beats Ryan Spann. Was it the second or third round? I can't remember. I'm going to tell you right now. though. In the first round, Adrian. Second or third round. What are you talking about? So, it was the first round. What a fight. What a fight that was. Originally, I thought Anthony Smith told him, How'd you like that ass whooping? But, and then I heard correctly. He tells him, Where was that ass whooping you were promising me? Because leading up to the fight, what Anthony didn't like was that Span was saying 
He didn't care about anything of Anthony's accomplishments, and Anthony was feeling some type of way about that, so he took offense to it. So in the co-main event, I'm, we're going to get into what's next for all these guys later. In the co-main event, Iwan Kutislava beats Devin Clark by unanimous decision. I was kind of nervous because the first round was looking a lot like Iwan's last fight where he kind of gassed out towards the end, but this time he was able to keep the pace up. The queen of violence, Ariane Lipsky beats Manny Buholm. Crazy fight. Armin Sarukanan beats Cristios Gallo, Gagos, Giagos, sorry, Giagos. That dude, his only loss is to Islam Mahashev. This guy's a problem. We gotta keep our eye out for this guy. Nate Manson beat Tony Gravely. What a crazy fight that was, okay? Gravely looks like he's about to take him out, and then Madsen comes back. What a fight. I don't get how none of these fights got a fight of the night. Probably because they gave out one, two. They gave out four performance of the night bonuses. Joaquin Buckley beats Antonio Arroyo. Or Arrojo, how, how they were saying it on the broadcast. Broadcast, broadcast, broadcast. Um, that that guy Impa that Joaquin Buckley has that KO of the century over. He was unfortunate. He was fighting that night too. He unfortunately lost. So we'll see what's what's next for him. But I want to go back to Ariane Lipsky. She's a contender, man. She's a contender. It's a flyway. Of course, the champion, as we all know, is Valentina. But, guys, remember when Anderson was beating people left and right? There was nobody inside that, were, that was going to take him out. And then all of a sudden, boom, this guy named Chris Weidman came along. You guys remember that? One of these days, one of these people we think that's not going to be able to take out Valentina are going to come along and take her out. We're going to see it one of these days, bro. We're going to see it. I hope it's not for a long while, but we are going to see it one of these days. For all we know, it could be Tatiana Suarez. Unfortunately, she tore her knee, so we have to see what's going to go on there. But it's going to happen one of these days, guys. It's going to happen. What's next for Anthony Smith? He said it himself. He wants to fight a dude that already beat him. So Anthony Smith is number six. Dominic Reyes is still recovering from Yuri Prochatska. Tiago Santos is going to fight Johnny Walker in September. So he told... Everybody, he's like, I want to rematch Alexander Wreckage. Because if he wants to fight up, the only people ahead of him are Reyes, Santos, Wreckage, Prochaska, and Teixeira. Prochaska and Teixeira are kind of tied up right now because Prochaska is the backup fighter to the title fight. Alexander Wreckage seemed to be open to the idea of fighting Anthony Smith in December. 
I will reach out to their management to confirm if that's a possibility or if they were just talking the talk. You know what I mean? That's a crazy fight, right? Because we don't know what goes on in these training camps, but when Alexander Rakic and Anthony Smith first fought, it was because of the time we are in with COVID and all this stuff. Speaking about COVID, kind of nervous. Chad Gray of Mudvayne, he tested positive for COVID. They just canceled their appearance at Louder Than Life Festival this weekend. So if you were going to that, I apologize. You're not going to be able to see Mudvayne. Now I'm nervous that they're not going to end up showing the aftershock in about three weeks. I'm really nervous. But going back to what I was saying, because of these COVID times, I believe the Alexander Rackage Anthony Smith fight came together last minute and they were both just willing to fight and that was coming off the heels of Anthony Smith taking one of the worst beatings. I'm sorry Anthony, you know I love you, but calling it as I see it, one of the worst beatings I've ever seen a UFC fighter take against Glover to show that he was losing his teeth. Okay? Luckily, he was able to bounce back from both of those performances and has gone 3-0 since those two fights. So, I wouldn't mind seeing the rematch with Alexander Rakic. If he wins, if let's say that fight does take place December, you can make it the fight night of the last card of the year, which I believe is going to end up being December 18th. You can make it that day. Give them five rounds, but we'll see what happens. And as far as Rice goes, I've been trying to reach out to his manager, but dude doesn't want to talk to me. I say that because he leaves me unseen on Instagram. I would love to talk to him, though. Okay, moving on. Let me see what rank Lipsky is. Is she even ranked? Oh, I was looking at the wrong one. Let's see, let's see. She's not. But I would like to see her fight either Miranda Maverick or Andrea Lee. Let me see if Ewan is ranked. Ewan is not ranked either. He does have a loss to Magomed Akilaev, though. Armin is ranked. He's ranked number 14th. Give him Diego Fiera. I know he wanted to replace Dan Hooker against whoever he's going to fight this weekend, but they were able to figure out the visa issue, so Dan Hooker will be there on Saturday night. Plus, I heard he broke his rib, so this guy's going to be out for a while, but Armin... Sarukanan, we have to look out for this guy. Sarukayan, sorry. This guy is the truth, bro. T listen to me when I tell you this. This guy can be champion. Islam beat him, but how do I know he can't beat Islam with preparation? Hmm? I guarantee you he could, t he could probably take out Conor McGregor. That's how confident I, I am how good this guy is. But we'll see, man. We shall see. Let's move on to Bellator.
Bill Davis beat Joel Homero. Liam Gracie beat Mark Lingerminger. Limminger. Sorry, Lingerminger. What the hell did I say? Lingerminger? Limminger. Deanna Bennett, who was on the Ultimate Fighter flyweight, she got taken out by Sinjara Eubanks, bro. It was bad. B. Andrea Alejandra Laura. And Sal Rogers beats Georgie Karahanian. Okay, I want to start with the main event. There's this rumor going around that Yoel Homero. I keep saying it like that because one, I think is cool and funny. And two, that's how the Brazilians say it. So don't tell me I'm saying it wrong. I'm saying it as if a Brazilian would say it and because I think it sounds awesome. Okay? If you don't like it, go listen to someone else's show. The only way I'll stop is if Yoel tells me, hey, bro, stop saying my name like that. Because I am very scared of Yoel. But for the time being, I will still call him Joel Homero. Okay? Tell me something. I want you guys to know it's a conscious decision that I'm doing that. I know how to say his name. To prove it to you, I will say Romero. See? See? But I think it's cool to say Homero, so leave me alone. Anyway, I digress. I apologize for that. I'm going to keep going. So Phil Davis takes out your Homero. Decision. So there was this rumor going around. There was this rumor going around that Yoel believed that the fight was five rounds. <laughs> I find that hilarious because I truly believe he thought that. Because one, he doesn't speak English very well. Two, you could tell. I wonder if his corner told him, Yoel, it's three rounds. Three, I wonder if he just signs the contract without asking how many rounds is it. And four, Joel, yo te quiero mucho, pero lo voy a decir como lo veo. This is the guy that did Stoolgate. You don't think he didn't know what he was saying, doing? You don't think he, he <laughs> that he wasn't supposed to sit there? You, you don't think he knew that throwing water on himself wasn't allowed? You don't think he knew that? I'm pretty sure he knew that. Anyway, that's hilarious. So, Bill Davis beat Joe Romero. He looked pretty dominant. I honestly don't know how one judge gave the fight to Yoel. Because he didn't really do anything. Davis took him down. Now, the problem is that Yoel looks big, right? But he's small for light heavyweight. And he's getting old. That The cut to 185 is hard on his body. He's small, like, he, I feel he can honestly still compete, but he f tries to figure out ways to help, because he, one, he thought it was five rounds, apparently, so he tries to figure out ways to be able to fight in those last two rounds, because I'm pretty sure he's gotten to a point where he feels tired and he doesn't like that feeling, so he's trying to figure out ways to conserve his gas tank. I know it sounds like I'm protecting you, I'm just saying what I believe. And then, too, Phil Davis was just way bigger. So, of course, he's going to be able to control him. If I were to tell you, yo, I was an Olympian, by that performance alone, you wouldn't have thought that. 
You wouldn't have thought that because of the way how easy Davis got him down and controlled him once he had him down. Moving on to Neam Gracie and Mark Lemminger. It's Lemminger, sorry. What a fight. First of all, you hear the name Gracie and you automatically think oh, he choked this dude out or took one of his limbs. Nope. No, he didn't. You know what he did? He knocked him out. That's what happens when you go train with the dude that brought up shooter box at the Rafael Cordero right there in Huntington Beach in King's MMA. That's what happens. And if that wasn't enough, he had Henzo Gracie. In his, he had an all-star corner on Saturday night. Good on you, Neam Gracie. I would like to see him rematch. Jason Jackson, because that was a weird fight, but I would like to see that rematch happen. I'm pretty sure Jason Jackson doesn't want that rematch because he's trying to get a title shot. But let me tell you something. Douglas Lima and MVP are about to fight in about two weeks. I guarantee you the winner of that will get the next title shot. It's not going to be Jason Jackson. And again, going back to to um, the Derek Brunson situation, you want to put yourself in a position where the organization can't tell you no. Much like what, I forgot to say this when I was talking about Anthony Smith, but much like he did where he said, I could probably fight Reyes, but I need to fight a guy that's going to get me closer to the title and make me stand out, which in his mind, that would be Alexander Rakic. So we got to wait and see what happens. I would like to see him fight um, Jason Jackson, but... That's just me. Deanna Bennett beats Alejandra Laura. She missed weight. It was supposed to be at 125. She missed it by almost five pounds. Jesus Christ. So, yeah. And then Sal Rogers beats Georgie Karahanian. I told you this guy was a savage. I don't know. He was training at Sanford MMA, though. I didn't know all that. He was, though. And then Ben Parrish versus Christian Edwards. Crazy fight. So the next Bellator card, like I said, will be Douglas Lima versus MVP 2. October 1st at Wembley Arena. And I believe it's going to start at like 1 p.m. because it's going to be in prime time for Europeans. So it's going to be at like 1 p.m. here. So Anthony Johnson has officially pulled out of the Bellator Light Heavyweight Grand Prix. He was supposed to fight Nadim Nankov. Uh, let me see. The Bellator Light Heavyweight Grand Prix will need to turn to the alternate pool. The tournament has ended for Anthony Johnson. Johnson, a former UFC title challenger, has withdrawn from his upcoming Bellator 268 headliner against champion Vadim Nankov. And the tournament as a whole due to illness. Multiple people with knowledge of this situation told MMA Junkie. The people asked to remain anonymous since the promotion has not yet made an official announcement. MCOP is expected to remain on the card against an opponent to be announced at a later time. Joe Romero, who headlined Saturday night's Bellator 266 against Phil Davis, was slated to compete in the opening round of the tournament against Johnson. 
but was removed after he did not receive medical clearance for an eye issue. Davis already lost the unanimous decision to Nemkov in the quarterfinals. <laughs> A second semifinal bout between Arizona's own Ryan Bader and fellow former UFC contender Corey Anderson is also slated for the event. Bellator 268 takes place October 16th at the Footprint Center in Phoenix. The main card airs on Showtime after prelims on MMA Junkie. With the change, the Bellator lineup includes... Okay, so he's going to end up fighting Julius Angie Ange Likas. Likas. Julius Angelicas, I hope I said that right. That they was gonna fight Carl Aubrey Kitson. Albert Kitson. Okay, well this Julius guy is gonna fight Vadim Nenkov. I hope Anthony gets well soon. I would like, since Yoel lost, I would like Yoel and him to try to run it back, see what happens. If Yoel stays at light heavyweight, that card is also going to feature Benson Henderson versus Brett Primus. So, we'll see, we'll see, man. We shall see. Speedy recovery, speedy recovery to Rumble Johnson. Okay, you guys ready? Guess what we're talking about right now. Right now. What are we talking about right now? Alright, I'll give you guys a hint. It's happening Saturday. No, nothing? Alright, alright. We're talking about UFC 266. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. Bro, you, you guys have to be as excited as me, right? Right? Tell me I'm wrong. If you're not excited, don't talk to me. The main event, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega. Co-main, Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy for the U women's flyweight title. Oh, I forgot to say, Alexander Volkanovsky versus Brian Ortega is for the featherweight belt. The People's Main Event, Robbie Lawler versus this guy you may have heard of. His name is Nick Diaz. I know you heard of him if you listen to me because I won't shut up about him. Curtis Blades will take on Rosinho Rosenstrike. And then Jessica Andrade takes on Cynthia Calvillo. And then in the featured prelim, Marlon Moraes fights Marab Dizbashasvili. Um, Dan Hooker fights Narat Nasarat. How would I say that? Hak Paris asked. I'm going with Nasarat. I don't know how to say the other part, and I don't want to butcher it, bro. Nasarat Hak Par. Asked 
حق پار است حق پار است نسرت حق پار است I hope I'm saying it right I'm probably saying it wrong Okay Okay I don't know where to start Let's start at the top Actually I do know where to start I want to start Let me see how I wrote it right here in my notes Okay, we did the preview. Let's do. I want to talk about Nick Diaz, his demeanor. Have you guys seen the countdown? First of all, this isn't gonna make sense if you haven't followed Nick Diaz's career. You haven't even you didn't even need to follow it for a long time. But if you watched, like the best example I can give you. Is when if you watch like the UFC prime time when they when him and Carlos Condit were gonna fight, like his demeanor was like, dude, I don't want to be here. Fuck this, fuck that. Dude, that's completely changed. Like if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back on YouTube and watch that, and you're gonna see what I'm talking about. You can see his demeanor. Like he didn't want to be there. Like he didn't want to be doing that. And at least for this countdown show, that's completely changed. He said, he's even he even made a point to talk about it. He's like, dude, I wasn't right in my mind. Like I would get you would get a lot of gibberish from me, and that's about it. But here I'm ready. I'm a more dangerous fighter now. Like I need like I want to explain something to you guys. The reason Nick Diaz has always been my favorite fighter. Is because he was him since the start. He wasn't putting up a front. He was, he, and he was the first one to do it. Like he was just being him. Him and Robbie, because Robbie was, is a maniac, bro. But Nick was being him, and he would say it as he would see it. And people are gonna be like, "Oh, well, he says keeping a gangster. He doesn't really want to do that anymore." I'm like, "Dude, that's gangster in itself. That he realizes the way he was acting before, because he likes to teach kids. The way he was acting before is not the way to act. Because I want to be a good example for these kids. Like that to me in itself is gangster. Like it wasn't because he was flipping everything up. No, I liked him because that was him." And as he got older and he got his mind right, he's like, dude, that this isn't a good picture that he's painting. He's saying this about himself. So I'm really excited for Nick to come back. I want to see what he can do. Like, there's a lot of X factors, right? Because we know Robbie's punches are there. We know that. But remember when he fought Colby? Remember when he fought Colby? Colby was tap, 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 get him to the cage, grapple. Nick is going to go tap, tap, tag, talk a little smack, tap, tap. He might grapple. I don't know. I can't tell you for sure, but he, I'm telling you, there's a lot of X factors here, man. One of the biggest X factors is we all talk about Nick's ability to take a punch. He hasn't fought in like six years, so is that still there? Can you guys tell me that for sure, that that's still there? Because I don't know. Do you know? Because I don't. He does do 
subtle things better than Nate, such as if he gets hit, he doesn't throw himself to the floor like Nate does. What he does is he'll try to grapple or he'll sit down. I don't know if that makes sense to anybody. Like, you know, when Jorge hit Nate, he threw himself to the floor like he just fell down. And that honestly doesn't look good in the eyes of the judges. What Nick will do is sit down to see, like, if they try to come in on him, they'll sit down and he'll, like, grab their body to pull them into his guard. Like, that's another thing. Nick Diaz is a top-level black belt. He didn't get it under, no, not just anybody. He got it under Caesar Gracie, a Gracie. Give me one sec. He got it under a Gracie, so we got to see, man. And his wrestling's not, I was watching Detailed yesterday. Shout out to DC, Daniel Cormier. I, I was watching Detailed. Bro, I'm so fired up for this fight. And I told everybody, like, I told my family, like, dude, get ready. I'm not going to shut up about this fight for the whole week. So get ready. That's all I told them. They're like, oh, okay. Like, my mom, she already knows. But I was watching Detailed. And I forgot how much I love Nick Diaz, like, Daniel Cormier said, until I was watching Daniel break down the fights. Talking about breaking down fights, I reached out to the UFC to see if they let me use their content. They told me no. Whack. Anyway, I was watching DC break down some of Nick's fights. Bro, the way he beat down BJ Penn is probably one of the greatest things I've ever seen Nick Diaz do. The way he talked smack to Robbie Lawler the first time, up there. The way he threw himself into the fire against Paul Daly. Legend status. Nick Diaz is a Hall of Famer. You might tell me I'm just being a fanboy. I don't care. That dude is a Hall of Famer. Did you guys know? I'm going to tell you guys something. Did you guys know when he was outside of the UFC fighting for Elite XC, him and Eddie Alvarez were going to fight for the 160-pound belt before Elite XC had to close down because Gary Shaw would be doing underhanded deals and... They told him, all right, bro, get out. And that all those fighters ended up going to strike force. And then that's where Nick fought Frank Shamrock, Marius Oromskis. He ended up rematching KJ Nunes because him and KJ fought in Elite XC. And because of a cut, the ref stopped the fight. And then later, KJ fought Eve Edwards, beat him, and Nick was on the undercard that night. And Nick goes to the cage with his gloves on. Like, I'm pretty sure Nick knew what he was going to do. So he goes to the cage with his gloves on. And that's where the, don't be scared, homie, quote, was born. And then they started pushing and shoving people in the cage. And then, like, if you ever see the video where Nick and Nate are on the ramp, just jumping, flipping somebody off, it's that situation. But anyway. Nick's demeanor is very different. I believe this is going to make a, him a more dangerous fighter, like he says. 
The X Factor is, can you still take a shot, Nick? I know Nate can, but can Nick take a shot? And will he even need to, right? Because, first of all, the shape he's in, he looks phenomenal, bro. Like, have you guys seen the shape that guy's in? He looks good. But we'll see, man. We shall see. Um, on the countdown, you see him training with the kids. That's always nice to see. So, if it's not clear, I'm going with my boy, Nick Diaz. Valentina Chevchenko versus Lauren Murphy. I mean, can I bet against... I, there's no way I could bet against the bully, right? I've been saying that Lauren deserves this title shot, this, this, and that. But is there any way you can bet against the bullet? No. So, I'm going with Valentina Shevchenko because there's no, I don't see any way Lauren Murphy wins this fight. The problem is Valentina's better everywhere. She's like the best well-rounded mixed martial artist. She's probably better technically than Amanda Nunes, but Amanda Nunes has a lot of power. So when she, when she cracks people, they go down, so she's the scarier fighter. So, I'm going Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, let's. I'm gonna give it something spicy here. Third round submission. I don't know what submission, but I feel like it's gonna be third round submission. Alex Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega. It's an interesting fight, right? Like, there's a lot of factors here as well. Such as, Alex had a really bad COVID experience. So, we'll see what happens there. And Jesse on Fire says that Alex looks sick. I don't think he looks sick. I think it's just that we're used to seeing him with hair. Because I've seen him on The Ultimate Fighter. That dude looks as jacked as ever. But the thing is, he shaved his head so he looks a little different. So I don't think he's sick. I just think we're just not used to seeing him with the shaved head. It's a crazy fight, man. From a technical standpoint, like, think about it, right? I'm going to try to do a breakdown on my YouTube channel. I'm going to try to launch it this week. By Friday, there should be a video dropping. I'm saying that now, so I, I freaking do it. If I've been rambling this episode, it's because I'm really excited and I do apologize. But I'm talking about YouTube, so I'm going to try and do it. But I'm going to give you guys a little breakdown here. Alex Volkanovsky, that dude is like a miniature Nick Diaz because the reason I say that is that dude could weaponize pace, man. And we saw what, what Max Holloway's pace did to Brian Ortega. How do I know? Volkanovski's not going to do the same thing, but with a little more mustard on his punches and just crack him and just end up beating him down in the second round. Do you guys remember when Volkanovski fought Mendez? Volkanovski got dropped, got up, said, all right, let's go again, bro. Let's go again. See what happens. And he ended up finishing. I was there live. That was a crazy fight. And he, he said that night, he's like, I'm Max Holloway's worst matchup. He was right. He was right. And I don't want to hear that, oh, well, he lost the second fight. Dude, stop it. Just stop it, okay? Because we got Ortega right now. We need to start putting our respect on Alex, Volk Alex Volkanovsky's name. 
please. He can weaponize pace. He has scary ground and pound. But where I think he's going to shine in this fight is in the clinch up against the cage, nullifying Ortega's movement. Does it sound similar to what he did to Aldo? Does it sound boring? Yes, but this is where I think he's going to shine. This is where I think Alex will shine. On the flip side, Ortega needs to stay on the outside, use his jab. Um, If he could clinch out in the middle of the cage to create space to help him do his own jujitsu, probably jump guard. The problem is, is Alex's top pressure, right? It's second to none. So I don't know how Ortega would want to play on the ground. If he would go for chokes from the bottom or try to sweep him to end up on top, I don't know. But it's a crazy fight, man. I want Ortega to win, but the more I think about it, Volkanovski has all the tools to beat him. Volkanovski is one of the best fights. He's top three pound for pound right now. Right now, he's top three pound for pound. His only loss is at welterweight, okay? He's top three pound for pound right now. So we have to start seeing him in that light. I know it's easy to be like, whoa, well, he lost to Max and the just Stop it. Just stop, okay? Because there are moments in that fight where Volkanovski won and clearly the judges believed he won. Do I trust judges? No, but there has to be a point where we just have to let it go. Just let it go. So for Ortega, I believe where he's going to win is on the outside using his jab. Like, honestly, I think this fight's going to go off five rounds. Depending on who's able to impose their game plan. Because if, if Volkanovski can do pace, pace, pace and smother Ortega, similar to Nick, the way Nick Diaz does it to his opponents, Ortega's in for a long night, right? But... If Ortega can stay on the outside, use his jab, use some leg kicks. And another thing is, I need to start seeing these fighters go to the body. I hate seeing MMA fighters headhunting. That's why another reason I love Nick Diaz so much, bro. He's always working the body. He's always doing something. But a bunch of these MMA fighters are headhunters. I'm like, why? Go to the body. It's there. That's another thing Ortega or Volkanovski are good at. They'll go to the body. But this is only Ortega's second fight with his new camp. And like in, in, in the zombie fight, he looked really good. Another thing is, remember, Henner had COVID during that fight? So Henner wasn't in his corner. I want to see the difference Henner can make being in the corner this time. I'm talking about Henner Gracie. Henner's the only coach that stayed with Brian after Brian fired all his old coaches. So that shows you the bond those two have. What a crazy fight, man. Okay. So, I'm going to give you my picks. Let's go back. Okay, so for Alex Volkanovski versus Ortega, I'm going to go with Ortega to win by split decision. This fight could be anybody's. I want Ortega to win, but I can easily see Alex Volkanovski winning. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy. I'm going to give it to Valentina by third round submission. Nick Diaz versus Robbie Lawler. I'm going with 
Nick Diaz, third round TKO. Curtis Blades versus Yajinho Rosenstrike. He Curtis Blades' chin is suspect. If Yazinho can catch him the way Derek Lewis caught him. Yazinho KO second round. Jessica Andrade versus Cynthia Calvillo. That's another girl. I think Cynthia wins by unanimous decision. Marlon Moraes versus Marab Dizvashasvili. Marab Dizvashasvili by unanimous decision. Dan Hooker versus Nas Nasrat Hakparasat. I hope I said that right. Please don't give me shit because I don't even know if I said that right. I'm going to go with Dan Hooker. Although, I don't know if that's a smart bet because of everything he went through just to get to the fight. Can you imagine the stress that guy's in? So, yeah, those are my picks. So, I'm going to go with Hooker, Dizbashasvili, Calvillo, Rosenstrike, Diaz, Shevchenko, and Ortega. Bro, what crazy fights. What crazy fights are happening um okay so earlier last last week not even this week last week joseph benavidez and carlos condon both announced retirement i'm gonna read an article from espn joseph benavidez one of the most influential lighter fighters in mma history is hanging up the gloves Benavides told ESPN on Wednesday that he is retiring from the UFC after 10 years with the promotion and 15 years as a pro overall. News of Benavides no longer being on the UFC roster surfaced on social media and his retirement is the reason, he said. Benavides will finish with a 15-6 UFC record after a loss to Askar Askroft in March. Benavides said he knew he wouldn't fight any longer, but he made it official only this week. Benavides said Tuesday he informed UFC matchmaker Mick Maynard of his retirement and that he would be removing himself from the UFC USADA run drug testing pool. I kind of knew I wasn't going to fight but I was just kind of letting it linger. Benavides said you never know but it just comes to a point. Benavides 37 said his decision hinged on the fact that he didn't want MMA to feel like a job. It was not fun any longer for the first time in more than a decade. Benavides was out of the immediate title picture, and he said that everyone he ended up fighting in the future would be all young contenders. First of all, I would like to say thank you, Joe. Personally, me as a kid, I would... I had Versus, the network, that's where the WC was on. That's where I got to exposed. That's where I got exposed to people like Uriah Faber, Donald Cerrone, Joe B, Carlos Condit, Benson Henderson, the Korean Zombie. I already knew who Leonard Garcia was, but Leonard still had some great fights in WEC. So did Jens Pulver. I got exposed to Dominic Cruz. Anthony Perez, I would just like to say thank you. Um, the article goes on to say, These are killers, Benavides said. 
They're all the guys I'm gonna fight next. All these killers coming in. That would be my next fight. Are coming up to me saying, dude, I have to take a picture with you. I used to come home from school and watch the WEC with my dad. That feels really great to hear, but it's not fun for me to fight a guy who tells me that. I don't want to beat them up or for them to beat me up either. Yeah, like he felt it was just a job. Benavides was one of the top stars in the world extreme cage fighting, which was then the home of the best fighters in the world under 155 pounds. Zufa UFC's parent company bought WEC in 2006 and merged it with the UFC roster in 2010. The presence of names in WEC such as Benavides, Jose Aldo, Uriah Faber, and Dominic Cruz helped open up the door for more opportunities for lighter weight athletes in MMA. UFC President Dana White credits Benavides as being a pillar of the lighter weight division for years. Since joining the WEC in 2008 and then the UFC in 2011, he used to be he used his unstoppable pace and nasty guillotine to remain on the top of two divisions for 13 years, White told ESPN. His epic battles with Cruz, Demetrius Johnson, and Henry Cejudo will never be forgotten. He's a constant professional and carried himself in a way that demanded respect from his peers. At the thought of being called a pioneer of the sport, Benavides became emotional. I don't think it's anything I expected to do or be, he said. I don't know. I can't even really explain how. I guess I can be really considered that. You're not doing it to be that. You're doing it because you love it. It's weird. It's one of those things where something happens and it's really good, but you can't even imagine it being that good. Again, congrats, Joe. You had an amazing career. And for what it's worth, I thought you won the first fight against Demetrius Johnson. Um, Let's go now to Carlos Condon's retirement. On Monday, Carlos appeared on the MMA Hour to elaborate on why the timing was right for him to walk away from competition. It was time, man, Conan said. It was time for a lot of different reasons. After that last fight, I felt like I put together a good camp and I was a step behind Max. I feel like I could really try to tweak things and I could try to figure out what's missing, what part of the formula isn't working right now and then go and test it again and test it again. But that's a tough thing to do. That's a tough thing to do because ultimately, I have to go and put myself on the firing line to see if what I'm doing is working. At a certain point, there's the, there's diminishing returns, so I think it's time to move on. It wasn't long after the Griffin fight that Conan knew he'd be retiring following his losses Conan had become used to a feeling of frustration that washed over him, but that wasn't the case after losing the Griffin. I'd been leaving my hotel room after a loss and been pissed off and leaving all my gear in a real salty mood, and basically I'm done with this, Connor said, but this time it was different. I wasn't salty about it. I just felt like it was the right move to move on. Probably about three weeks or a month ago, I called Dana White to let him know so 
So this thing's been coming down the pipe for a little while. Okay, I'll go. I'm an optimist, Condensate. I do get into those sports where I get down about things, but as soon as there's any kind of sunlight peeking through the clouds, I grasp onto that. I definitely felt some momentum, but I also think it's more so just the time. And a big piece of this is the amount of time and energy that I'm still willing to put into fighting at the highest level. I think in some ways I'm compromising things in my life, in my personal life. To train as a professional mixed martial artist at the highest level of the sport, that takes a lot. That takes a lot out of energetically, emotionally, and just everything. I have less to give to the rest of my life. And at this point, I don't want to make a compromise anymore. Before the news broke that he was retiring, Condit had been quiet on social media and gave no indication that his most recent fight would be his last. Condit was dealing with a recent death of a close friend who Condit described as a brother due to COVID-19. So updating the public on his career status was the least of his concerns. E Condit said he'll enjoy having the chance to step back from the spotlight, but overall, there was little about his MMA experience that he regrets, and if anything, it's impossible for him to pick out one moment that stood out above the rest. Uh, and then it just goes on to say a bunch of other stuff. I will say this. Congratulations, Carlos. As I said about Joe, without the WEC, I wouldn't know who Carlos Condit is. I wouldn't have been excited when I heard he was going to the UFC. Um, every time Carlos fought, like, Carlos had, like, this death look on his face when he was going to fight. Like, I'm about to go murder this motherfucker right now. Like, every time they would say his name, it was crazy. The only thing I would say, and people that know me know this is coming. The only thing that bums me out about this is the fact that Nick is coming back and I'm never going to see the rematch. I want to see the rematch. Carlos, will you come out of retirement for one last fight? You versus Nick. If Nick beats Robbie, please. I doubt it's going to happen, but good on you, Carlos, the natural-born killer. One of my favorite fighters of all time, bro. Congratulations, Carlos. He will for always be... I believe he was the last WEC welterweight champion. Yeah, he was. Sean O'Malley has apparently signed his next fight. He will fight... He will fight Brian Kelleher, but I don't remember when. This is from BJPenn.com. UFC veteran Brian Kelleher says rising star Sean O'Malley has accepted a fight against him after recently calling him out. Kelleher recently defeated Domingo Pilarete via dominant unanimous decision. And following the fight, he used his post-fight interview as an opportunity to call out O'Malley. We didn't hear much from O'Malley at first, but after a fight against Frankie Edgar was scrapped, when Marlon Barra got the fight instead, O'Malley had moved on to find someone else to fight with. With Kelleher being available to fight now, and with him already publicly calling out O'Malley, this fight made a ton of sense to book, and the UFC has apparently booked it.
and then he put okay so i reached out to o'malley's manager to see if, what's going on with this let me see if by any chance he already responded i doubt it but i'll check for you guys and but anyway he put um so there, there's no date yet but he put a picture of both of them side by side and said she said yes and put a ring emoji and tagged Sean O'Malley in it. So let me see it by any chance. So there might be some breaking news. Nope. Sorry guys. I got excited. Sorry. The WFL. Have you guys heard about this? Remember that that organization that Ariel Hawani I talked about it. Re remember that organization that Ariel Hawani said that it could be a game changer. Remember that. It's called World Fighting League. The name's kind of lame. I'm gonna be honest, but. From what I've heard, from what people have told me, they're like, dude, if this is done right, it could be a game changer. I mean, again, there's not a lot of information out on this other than I know they're going to launch in 2023. Early 2023. Can you guys imagine the game changer? This, If, like, they're telling me, and, like, the people that told me this are people well-versed in the fight game. So I don't think I'm just talking to anybody about it. I'm talking to people that are well-versed in it. Think about it, bro. AJ McKee is in the champs clause. If he opts not to resign, his he's out of his contract July 31st, 2022. I heard he's going to fight at the end of the year. His manager has told me there's nothing booked for him yet. Like they haven't even had a meeting. Look at this. Francis is about to go on a year without fighting. So let's say he fights next year, February, March. Okay, I'll wait another year. I'll be a, a free agent March 27th. And he can do bullshit two-fight contracts. And in the contract, you, you have to give me, you have to offer me these two fights within a year if he can do it. And then boom. He's free to go try this WFL. Remember the the problems the UFC was having with Jorge? Even Connor for a time was having a hard time getting bugged because they didn't want to pay him what he was worth. Although with Connor, I feel it was more that they wanted fans in the building because of the amount of money he generates. I feel that was the the, the problem there. So we'll see, man. Game changer this WFL. And I believe, and I'm going to tell you why I believe this. I believe the one helping finance this, or at least one of the ones helping finance this, is Mark Cuban. The reason I believe that is because their Instagram account only follows 20-something accounts, and he's one of them. 
So they're not following him just because they want to. There's a reason be behind that. So I believe he's one of the people helping back this thing. And that guy's smart. So we'll see what happens. Okay, we're going to get into some current events. How am I doing on time? I'm probably going to do it just one or two. Because I already kind of did some current events. So How am I doing on time? Yeah, we'll probably do one or two. Matt Brown to fight Brian Barberina at December 4th UFC event. Woo, that's a good fight right there, bro. Let's read this one. Gilbert Melendez, if Nick Diaz wins at UFC 266, he's in title contention. Everyone's going to campaign to fight him. He's not wrong. I don't know about the UFC, the title contention part, but the... That everybody will fight to campaign, will campaign to fight him. They're not wrong. Despite two title fights at UFC 266, the biggest story heading into Saturday will revolve around the long-awaited return of Nick Diaz. Not wrong. More than six years since Diaz last competed, but he remained one of the most talked-about fighters in the entire UFC roster, even as he sat on the sidelines since 2015. His Return for a rematch against Robbie Lawler 17, 17 years after their first encounter has the entire combat sports world watching and wondering if Diaz can still compete amongst the best of the best in the UFC. There was a time not long ago that Diaz's teammate and Frank Gilbert Melendez wondered if former UFC title contender would ever fight again, much less make his return at UFC 266. I did think for a moment there were there were that I didn't see him coming back. I did think there was a moment there were that I didn't see him coming back. Okay, I did read that right. Melinda says during his appearance on the Fighter vs. the Rider podcast, I felt like, hey, he's always staying in shape, always running, he's always biking, he's always living a good Presbyterian diet. But not necessarily sparring all the time. But lately, the last year, we have seen him in the gym. We have seen, we've we have been seeing him work, and all of a sudden we're thinking, wait a second, I think he's working on something here. He's not a guy of words. He's a guy of action. So yes, there was a point where I thought he was retired. But I can tell you, the last two years, there were whispers. Of him talking about it. And then you can see him training. He's showing up to the gym. He's in the gi. In, in there sparring. He's doing more stuff. Like that besides just running and doing triathlete stuff. And keeping a healthy diet. We did feel like a storm of Nick Diaz was returning. As one of the most magnifying draws in the UFC. Diaz coming back has immediately injected new life into the welterweight division. Where Kamar Usman has been. Reigning as champion since early 2019. Usman is currently preparing for a rematch against Colby Covington at UFC 268 after breaking his jaw in their first meeting just under two years ago. A win would mark Usman's fourth straight title defense and a quick look at the welterweight ranking show several more potential rematches awaiting him in the future. That's where Diaz coming back suddenly starts drawing attention. Just a few weeks ago, Usman's manager Ali proclaimed that 
Diaz would immediately become the number one contender in the division if he gets past Robbie Lawler at UFC 266. While that might seem illogical considering Diaz's last win at welterweight came in 2011, his star power and the legacy attached to his name, triumphs, reasoning, or ranking. It's it's a huge it's huge it's a win for everybody. Melendez explained, "If I'm Brian Ortega and Alexander Volkanovski, I'm pumped that I have these guys on the card that I'm headlining. These guys are going to bring eyeballs to me. If Nick is successful and he wins, of course he's in the title. He's in title contention. Everyone's going to campaign to fight him. Everybody wants to challenge the legend. It only brings your stock up. We recognize. Now we're not." in the fight business we are in the entertainment business so you have a great fighter but you also have to entertain you could be conor mcgregor with a one and two record and come back and sell out arenas and they're going to get the right fights because because of that so yes it would be huge for nick to be back and win all of a sudden he might be directly in for a title shot of course diaz first has to get through robbie saturday night but regardless of his absence from the sport, Melendez expects his teammate to put on an old performance. While he won't be in his corner this weekend like he's been for many of his fights, Melendez has seen the work Diaz has been putting in the gym and, is, and it's almost like he never took six years off from the fight from fighting. As for Lawler, he has been very active, but the former UFC welterweight champion has also dropped his past four fights in a row while absorbing a lot of punishment along the way. It's very hard to come back from a long layup, but if there's anyone who could do it, it's Nick Diaz, Melendez said. There are pros and cons to everything. Being away for six years, the cons are the mad time and being in there. The pros are you are rested up, he's excited, he's on his, he's here on his terms. Bobby's been competing, he's been staying busy, the guy's an amazing fighter, but he really's been leaving his life out there. The Roy McDonald fight, his Carlos Conte fight, his Matt Brown fight. He's got a lot of mileage over the time while Diaz has been resting. Nick's been recovering. These are things to look at. Melendez will certainly be pulling for Diaz to get the win, but he's also just looking forward to watching how this fight unfolds 17 years after the first one. On that night, Diaz face-planted Lawler with a brutal punch just over 90 seconds into the second round and the win helped launch his career in the UFC. There's no telling if the rematch will produce a similar result, but Melendez is excited to see how it all plays out. There are 17 years in the making, Melendez said. This is a rematch we've been wanting to see for a long time. We thought it might happen in Strike Force. This might happen somewhere else, and now we're full circle. What better place than the place that started it right here in the UFC? I think they're both better fighters. I think they were young and aggressive back then, but I think they're more calculated now. But they both have the same spirit. Both guys are warriors. They're not these point boxers or point fighters. They're there to conclude a fight, and that's what makes it very interesting. That is the thing, right? Like, again, going back to the Kobe fight with Robbie. Kobe was going punch, 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 grapple. What if Nick goes punch, 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 body hook up to the face? And we're, because people are saying, oh, yeah, but Robbie has tremendous power. Yeah, but if Nick is constantly in his face, 
punch, punch, punch. Is he going to be able to get those power shots off? We got to wait and see. Let's do one more. And then I'm out of here. There's not a lot of good ones. Actually, there's one more good one, but I don't really want to talk about it. Cause... Here, let's talk about... Let me see if it'll talk about it. So, today was, I guess, the official launch for the Canelo... Caleb Plant fight November 6th at Madison, not Madison, at the MGM Garden Arena in Las Vegas. Again, I don't know why they keep doing this for support Canelo. They put him on a night where the UFC is stacked. Like, they're going to fight the same day as UFC 268, which is the MSG card. But okay, here we go. This is going to be Canelo's first fight. That's not on the zone since he signed that major deal. I want to say back in 2013. He's going to go fight on Showtime. Okay, ready? A press conference promoting super middleweight title unifier between champ Canelo Alvarez and Caleb Plant and nearly turned into a full-fledged fight after Alvarez pushed Plant. After recovering his balance, Plant calmly walked forward and threw a slap at Alvarez, who ducked and threw a pair of strikes as security officials quickly intervened. Alvarez strikes left a visible cut under Plant's right eye per a photo posted by Twitter user MacMally. You can check out the... Oh, that's not really a current event. I'll give you guys one more. Let's talk about Jake Paul. Jake Paul claims Tommy Fury twice turned down fight up offer to one million. Let's do it. I'll fight Jake Paul for one. I lose, but I do it. Jake Paul is opening up the checkbook to make a boxing match with Tommy Fury happen. In a bid to set up a next high-profile boxing bout, Paul has taken the social media to put the pressure on Fury to fight him. Paul up the ante for a potential fight with Fury announcing in an Instagram story that he is offering the Love Island star seven figures to fight him. Tommy Fury has now denied two offers to fight me, Paul claimed. This would be the highest payday of his career, the best thing he could possibly do. If he really believes he could beat Jake Paul, then why would you not take this? Timmy, this is your last offer. Eight rounds, one million dollars. Eight rounds, one million dollars. That's four times more than you've ever been paid. So either sign the dotted line or just shut up. Stop wasting my time. He says, shut up. Stop wasting my team and I's time. A bout between Paul, a YouTube star, and social media maven and Fury has been discussed since the two were both scheduled a box on August 29th Showtime boxing event headlined by Paul and former UFC welterweight champion Tyrone Willie. Both fighters earned a decision victory at the event, with Fury defeating Anthony Taylor in a four-round undercard bout. Following his win, Fury called out called for a bout with Paul. Paul also took to Twitter and shared a clip of Fury's father praising Paul as well as questioning why potential opponents have been hesitant to sign on the dollar line to face him.
And then it goes on to say, through various negotiations from the last fight with some MMA guys, and seeing some negotiations now, I find it ironic that these real fighters are hesitant to sign against me. I'm sat here waiting to sign with a hard on ready to go and battle against anyone. The money is there. Biggest payday ever. The clout they gain is there. The chance of a lifetime to end Jake Paul's boxing career is there. So why aren't they signing? I think I know. <laughs> Dang. I don't know, man. Honestly, can I be honest with you? If what I hear is true and Jorge Masvidal only has two fights left, I would want to see him finish his contract to the UFC. All right, let me go box this guy, make a boatload of cash, and I'll be back. That's what I want to see happen. But if he wants to fight Tommy Fury, fight Tommy Fury. It's cool. But anyway, guys, I'm out of here. Enjoy the fights. So one last time, here are my picks for this Weekend's fights. I'm going Brian Ortega, split decision. Valentina Chepchenko, third round submission. Nick Diaz, I believe he's going to win second round TKO. Yazinha Rosenstrike, second round KO. Cynthia Calvillo, unanimous decision. Marab Dizvash has really unanimous decision. And Dan Hooker, I'll give him a decision too. Alright guys, later.